in our series of perspective. Okay, and, and perspective is the way that you and I filter the things we look at and the events in our life. And perspective actually has a lot to do with um, however we see things is, is typically the mindset we have, the attitude we have. It determines our position or our posture in life. And it can affect a lot of things, not just our relationships or our friendships, um, but it can affect um, just our daily interactions with strangers, okay? Um, 32 years ago, I picked up my cross and decided to follow Jesus. I was eight years old at the time, and I knew that I was a sinner, and I needed someone to save me from myself and from my sin. And so I asked Jesus to forgive me, to live in my heart, to give me a brand new heart, and it's been a journey ever since. Now, have I gotten it right every time in the last 32 years? No. The answer is a big fat no. I've actually gotten it more wrong than I've gotten it right because in my flesh, I'm a human. And at our core, for all of us, myself included, we are incredibly selfish, prideful people. We don't even realize how evil we are, in fact, without Christ. The Bible says, that without Christ, you and I have no good thing. There is no good in us. It also says that our good deeds, our righteousness, are like filthy rags. And so the idea of being a disciple of Jesus and being a Christian is of following Jesus, of picking up our cross daily and following Jesus. I'm getting a little distracted. You guys don't mind if... I do, right? Uh, man, I found some bananas. Coach, this is perfect. I, I mm, didn't have time to eat lunch today. This is really, really difficult. But these bananas, these are not just any bananas. These are actually mm, mm, bananas of bitterness, baby. All right? Now, let me tell you about these. Number one, I actually don't like bananas. So I'm struggling getting this down. But bananas of bitterness. I like to rehash what people have done to me. Man, I can tell a good story. I can tell you every detail like it just happened. These bananas of bitterness cause me to be trapped in the past. And, and, and they cause me to be unforgiving. And unforgiveness really is like drinking poison, hoping the other person will die. When in fact, you're the one who ends up dead. I had a friend tell me recently about a tribe of people, I think it was in Alaska, and um, there were these wolves that would come, like, attack their little village. And these wolves, um, obviously, it was uh, bad news bears. Oh, this is getting really heavy. It, uh, it, it was bad news bears, and these wolves um, would eat their food and, and maybe go after their kids. And, and so what the villagers did is they took a piece of meat, and they actually put like a blade in the middle of it. They, they would put it like on a sword or a knife. And, and so these wolves would love the taste of blood, and they kept licking, 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 right? And eventually what would happen? They would cut their tongue and bleed out and die. But they were so fascinated with the, with the taste of blood that they just kept licking, licking, licking. And sometimes you and I 
our wound lickers, right? Oh, my dad is a jerk, and my mom doesn't like me. Lick, 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 lick. And I'm bitter, and I carry around these bananas of bitterness. Ooh, now grapes. I like grapes. These are my grapes of greed. That's right. It is all about me. No, you can't have one. These are my grapes of greed. Everything is. <laughs> that was perfect. That was unplanned. But these are my grapes of greed. And when I'm greedy, everything is mine. Nothing belongs to anyone. Not God, not my parents, not my teachers, not the homeless person down the street. Greed, greed, greed. And, and so I carry this and I, man, I kind of add to my pile. Oh, I love this one right here. Strawberries. Yeah, these, listen, these are not just any strawberries. Mm. They're strawberries of self, okay? And so, those are really tart without chocolate. Wow, who knew? Oh, <laughs> jeez. I really don't like fruit, so this is more of a challenge than you realize. These are my strawberries of self. It's all about me. Me, myself, and I. Last week we talked about lenses that we view our lives through. One of those sets of lenses is self. It's all about me. Someone says something to me, and I'm easily triggered because I take it personal. Because all I think about during the day is myself. As a matter of fact, it's almost as if I'm the only one who exists in the world, and I'm the best thing since sliced bread. I like my strawberries of self. Woo! <laughs> oh, Mrs. Gossett. Awesome. Yeah, Mrs. Gossett, that'd be great. Could you hold this cross for me, please? Thank you. Just don't let it touch the ground is a big thing. Okay. And so, oh, apples. Now, I do like apples. They're kind of difficult to eat, but, but these, these are not just any apples. No. Wait, wait for it. Listen. Did you hear that, Chris? All right. These are the apples of apathy. Ask me how good this tastes. Bad. How does it taste? How does it taste? It tastes like good. I don't care. I don't know. I don't care. But but these are my apples of apathy. And when I have my apples, oh, Henrietta, thank you. You can keep that one. When I have. When I have my apples of apathy, I don't care. I don't care about anyone, anything. I don't even care to wake up. I only get out of bed because I have to. I don't care if someone loves me. I don't care if someone doesn't love me. I just don't care. Oh, here's another one. My oranges of offense. I love these. These are my favorite right here. My, my oranges of offense. I, I'm easily offended by others. I'm offended by people who correct me. I'm offended by my parents who are all over me all the time. I'm offended by my friends for calling me out. I'm offended by my coaches who hold me to a higher standard. Yeah, these are my, my oranges of offense. Oh, my, my pineapple. 
Those are a pleasure. My pineapple of pleasure. I love, I love whatever makes me happy. Whatever keeps me content. I love what makes me feel good. I, I love what makes me feel comfortable. And speaking of, gosh, speaking of comfortable, don't drop the cantaloupe. Don't drop the cantaloupe. My cantaloupe of comfort. Oh, I love my cantaloupe of comfort. I just want to be comfortable. I just want my fuzzy blanket. I just want to do bare minimum. I just want to do whatever suits me. And then my last one. Please don't drop the watermelon. Is my watermelon of waste. My watermelon of waste. I love to waste food. I love. Oh, this is really heavy. I love. Yeah, we could totally to waste good opportunities. I love to waste all of the blessings that God has given me. Now, what happened? What am I no longer holding? Nothing. The cross. The cross. And not only am I no longer holding the cross, I'm holding things that weigh me down and that are heavy to hold. My arms and my back are killing me. But not <laughs> only that. Now, listen, I, I got to wind up quick. Listen, not only was I no longer holding my cross, which was mine to bear, because I made that commitment at eight years old. Give me one second. Let me get some feeling back. Not only, not only am I not holding my cross, and not only was I holding things that are meaningless and actually quite dangerous, but I'm putting my responsibility as a Christian on someone else. So now instead of Mrs. Gossett bearing her own cross, she's not only bearing her own cross, she's holding mine. And we do that sometimes for each other, don't we? We're like, yeah, pray for me. Yeah, you be the one to pray in front of class. Yeah, you be the one to study scripture and give me a word from God because I'm too busy holding all this fruit that I'm eating on that's making me sick. Now, this is actually a really cool biblical example, unscripted, by the way, that we are called to help each other. There are times in which it is hard to keep trusting God and to keep believing in God. Thank you, Mrs. Gossett. And it's okay to ask a friend, could you help me out? Could you pray for me? It's okay. We'll get that table some Tylenol. (laughs) It's okay to ask your coaches and your teachers to help you. But Jesus did not call you to a life of satisfying your own needs and wants and desires and flesh while pitting your responsibility as a child of God on someone else. Some of the reasons that some of your classmates are so tired is because they're holding their cross and your cross. Because you're slipping. Because the reality is there's no way that I could have held all this fruit and held this cross. There's no way. Something had to give, and what had to give, what I chose to give, was this. Because see, when I'm holding fruit of apathy, and I'm holding fruit of waste, and I'm holding fruit of comfort, and I'm holding fruit of self, and I'm holding fruit of greed, that's not for anyone else. That's my fruit. I could care less if you get an apple of my apathy. That's for me. And you know, it's interesting. 
I remember the Bible saying something once about the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Notice, not one of those fruits represented that. So our, our, our problem is perspective, and perspective is powerful. So what exactly does Scripture say about difficulties? Listen, Romans 8, 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. John 16, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. 2 Corinthians 6, 3 through 10. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no faults may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance and afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. We are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Are you content with insults? I'm not. I don't like anyone talking mess about me or my friends. It's quite the opposite view of what scripture says. James 1, 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Rejoice. 1 Peter 5, 9 and 10. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 12. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. 
always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Scripture has a lot to say about the hard things that you and I go through. See, nothing has to be wasted in God's kingdom. Not even a bad day. Do you know when the last time I had a bad day and rejoiced at the bad day was? Never! <laughs> right? I'm like, oh my gosh, what's happening? <laughs> right? And then all of a sudden my bad day becomes everyone else's bad day, right? And I miss it because my perspective is off. Because all I can see is that I don't have hot water and I just want to take a shower and the roads are covered in ice and, and I'm just freaking out. Instead of saying, God, thank you that this struggle is making me stronger. I missed it. I completely missed it. I complained for days. I need a shower! Most of us, probably all of us in this room, when a bad thing happens, we're not hip hip hooray! No. What a gift that my sister has cancer. I've never said that. Now listen, I'm not mocking that. But scripture says, when you go through hard things, be thankful, rejoice, trust that God is working. But if your perspective is off, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss the bigger blessing. You know, this cross, um, I, I have to choose as a child of God every day. I have to choose what I will carry. And a lot of days, it's that. I carry that fruit. I carry the weight of me, my insecurities, my troubles, my insufficiencies, all the ways I fall short, Right? I carry pride, I carry selfishness, I carry greed, but I cannot possibly carry that and carry this at the same time. And as a Christian, when you choose to surrender to Jesus, scripture says you pick up your cross and you follow God, which means I have to set that down. I have to turn away from that. And if you're not, as a Christian, carrying the cross of Christ, what are you carrying? Because only one leads to life. My perspective always determines my position, and position always determines the outcomes. The soldier in the foxhole doesn't win the battle. It's the soldier who's out of the foxhole, running into the enemy's camp, who wins the battle. The athlete who goes home and veges out on the couch for three hours and eats five bags of Takis, they're not the ones who win the championship. It's the one who goes home after practice and puts in the extra work to make themselves better that wins the championship. See, your perspective determines your position and your position determines the outcome. As God's children, when the suffering we hold up and carry around is our own, well, we've not only cheated ourselves, but we've missed the greater story. You know, the cross of Christ is probably my favorite thing to talk about. I've read different medical reports, doctors' perspectives about what the crucifixion was really like. 
And I know we've talked about this before and we've all heard it a million times, so it's like hurry up and get past this part. But this is the part that we need to stare hard in the face of. The uh, crossbeam of the cross itself weighed 100 pounds. He walked miles. The very people that Jesus healed and fed and blessed and encouraged and prayed for and clothed were the same ones who lined the streets and mocked him and they spat on him. And they put that crown of thorns on his head, not recognizing his true kingship, but mocking him. Hail, king of the Jews! Oh, some kind of king you are! Look at you! What a disgrace! And they stripped him of his clothes and they beat him up. They ripped the, the, the hair out of his face. And, and when they whipped him, it was, um, it, it's called a cattail, and it was like a leather ball attached to a long whip. And there were often very heavy, sharp pieces of iron and bone fragment in it. So his hands would be tied and he would be bent over a post as people gathered and watched not doing anything to stop what was happening. You understand that, right? Mm -hmm. They stood and they watched as they mercilessly beat him. Whipping that cattail on his back. First puncturing skin. Then eventually down to the muscle mass underneath. He bled and bled. And his broken, beaten flesh hung like ribbons from his back. Crucifixion was to be feared. It wasn't a one and done. It wasn't the electrical chair. It wasn't a pill that would just take him out. It was a long, drawn out, hour long process of suffering. And not just suffering, but suffering and ridicule and pain and hardship and rejection and ridicule and mocking as thousands, hundreds, stood and watched. Unless you and I be so quick to be prideful and say, oh, I would have stepped in. Likely not. At our core, apart from Christ, you and I are incredibly selfish beings. He suffered. But you know what kills me about this? Is his perspective. You know what Jesus said about the cross? It, it, I hope it lights you up like it lights me up. Because he said this in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Don't miss this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every fruit and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Did you catch it? It said for the joy that was set before him. He endured the brutality of the cross, the hours of endless suffering. What was the joy set before him? It was you. It was me. That he just so desired a relationship with you and I. He so desired to walk with us 
every single day, loving us, praying for us, encouraging us that he fully embraced the cup of suffering, which was this. We were the joy set before Jesus. So if your storyline up until chapel today has been nobody loves me, that is no longer true. You were the joy set before Jesus. It says you were the joy. I was the joy. So he embraced the cross and he embraced all of the suffering. Why? To have a relationship with us. Like somehow the God of the universe is so tickled when I sing a song for him that I have all of his attention. And my voice cracks and I'm not good with rhythm and I run out of breath real quick. Exhibit A. Somehow God is so inclined to listen to my prayers for help that when I go to him 39 times in one day, because some days are like that, right? Especially Mondays. And I'm like, dear Jesus, please help me. He's like, I'd be glad to, Tara. I'm right here. Let's do it. That is love in its purest form. What is the joy set before you and I in our everyday loves, lives? What is the joy set before us in our everyday lives? The joy is this, that the one true God of the universe, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of all lords, the one who sits enthroned above the heavens and the earth, the one whose streets are paved with gold, the one who sits on his throne of gold as the angels and elders and scribes cast down their golden crowns and sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come, and they never stop. There's no restroom break. There's no DoorDash delivery of Chick-fil-A in heaven night and day. They constantly fall down at the feet of Jesus, and they worship him because that is who he is. And that is what he's worthy of. So the joy set before you and I is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And it changes everything. It changes everything. So I'm going to wrap up with this. Surely if Christ can look in the face of defeat, agony, unending pain, piercings, crushings, mockings, rejection and other atrocities and considerate joy, you and I can as well. What does Christ call us to in Matthew 16, 24 through 26? It says this, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? I have attempted to carry this cross of mine for 32 years. And there have been many, many times I've set it down because I just didn't care. I wanted to be God of my own world. And carrying this has cost me something. It's incredibly inconvenient. It's heavy. It changes how I walk. It changes the things I'm able to hold on to. It's uncomfortable. It sets me apart, been made fun of. But this, this is my everything. Right here. 
right here. This changes everything. Because I have this, it doesn't matter how my family is or isn't to me. Because I have this, it doesn't matter how many friends I have or don't have. Because of this, my bad days pale in comparison. And I've had some bad days. Because of this, this is my boasting place. This is where I cast my eyes. This is the perspective that I want to look through. See, everyone wants a resurrection life and power. But before you have that, there's a crucifixion. Don't be so naive and and prideful that you think you can have the blessings and promises of God without first entering into suffering with him. What is your perspective? Is this what you hold up? Is this the suffering that you hold up and say, wow, what a God that he would do that? Or is it your offense? I can't believe so-and-so isn't yourself making it all about you. This will perish and spoil. This will never perish and spoil. This will never fade. This is your power. This is the key to living a resurrected life as a child of God. You and I were the joy set before Jesus. That's incredible. Some of y'all, that's going to take months to soak in. Some of y'all are getting it today. We were the joy set before Jesus. What's the joy set before you? Is your life so small that it's just a championship? Which, by the way, I want to go all the way. I'm not minimizing that. Let's finish it, boys, tonight. But is your life so small that the joy set before you is just getting out of school and going home and vegging out on your phone or video games or is this your vision is this your perspective that man I was the joy set before Jesus and all of my sin and all of my pride and all of my selfishness Jesus wanted me he chose me we're going to close with a song and I just want you to listen you don't sing Just listen, and at the end, I'll close this in prayer.